listening to the Tune In Talk podcast, episode 13, interview with animation teacher Rick Pickens. interviews brought to you by Fanboy Nation. I am your host, Whitney Grace, and I am decidedly delighted that you decided to download and listen to episode 13 of this podcast. For today's guest, I have someone who is a veteran animator, a veteran puppeteer, and he is venturing into a new avenue he is becoming an animation teacher on the internet. His name is Mr. Rick Pickens. And Mr. Rick Pickens is following a new business trend that I have seen a lot of, well, not a lot, but very well-known and well-respected animators are doing. They are selling their knowledge on the internet. And let me tell you exactly how this works. Animation is more popular now than ever. And I can say this with definitive, because I've been researching this stuff for the past six months for my book. But it's also because in the United States, at least, and Europe, and well, always in Japan, but it is becoming more accepted as a medium than a genre. And people who grew up with the, you know, the Disney Renaissance, the Golden Age of Nickelodeon, they're adults now, and they grew up in a fantastic time for cartoons. And they are wanting to become animators themselves or work in some aspect of the industry. But a lot of these potential students, they don't want to go to the traditional four-year school or some sort of art academy or because it's not necessarily the right mold for them, or they simply can't afford it. And that is one of the wonders of the internet, is you can receive great education by not having to go to a university or some sort of private institute. Rick Pickens has created an online program called, Rick's program is called Animation in 12 Blank Steps. And Rick calls it Animation in 12 Blank Steps because he wants people to insert their verb of choice into the blank. So it's kind of like those old Mad Lib games we were played when we were younger where you would, uh, Skibby given noun, and you would say something like harpoon or kumquat, and then you'd be given a verb, and you would say something like, uh, you know, gnarly or totally tubular. And here you would say something like animation in 12 hard working steps, or animation in 12 fast steps, or animation in 12 fantastic steps, or Animation and 12 adventurous steps. I mean, you pretty much get the idea here. But what Rick wants to do is individualize everyone's approach to animation. And that approach is very positive because it starts people out on the right path and it doesn't, you know, bog them down with, you know, the usual ideas of starting a new program. It's not overwhelming. It's kind of like saying, hey, welcome to the program, and, you know, shaking your hand. What Rick is doing is something that I've noticed a lot of professional animators are doing. They are selling their experience, knowledge, and themselves as a teacher to people who are interested in becoming an animator or getting some form of job in the animation industry. I can tell you from experience in the workforce and attending a master's program as well as a baccalaureate program that you learn more on the job than you do in the actual university. And it's not dissing any schools or anything like that. It's just practical experience is worth its weight in gold. And what these these animation animators are doing, like Rick is doing, is 
they are bypassing the traditional education system and telling you what you need to do to succeed. And what Rick is doing is he is giving this a very personal approach with animation and 12 blank steps. Not only do you buy his knowledge as a professional in the animation industry, not only are you buying lessons in animation, how to be an animator, you are also buying Rick's time. You're buying Rick's services. He will personally help you succeed. So while you are paying a nominal fee, he's just not dumping a product on you. He is opening the door so that you can get to him, get his advice, and if you need any help, he's there to do it. And that's what I've seen a lot of animators do. Um, several of them come up the top of my head, and several of them will be guests on this podcast, so that'll be a little extra surprise for you in the future. But what sets Rick apart from these other animators and these other animation programs is he is teaching traditional animation. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. Instead of going to 3D animation, which is sweeping the animation industry by storm, he's going a little bit of old school, and which is also a very big fan favorite for many potential animators, is he is teaching you how to be a successful 2D traditional animator online. And so I think that's utterly fantastic. It's a brand new niche that I've never seen before, and that will make Rick unique in this market of animators. So before we get into the interview, let's take care of my favorite thing, housekeeping. So as you have noticed, or as you will notice, is I have been adding little pieces on the website. I've added a couple book reviews, or I will be adding a few more book reviews. Um, I'll be adding a few more of my articles from toughpigs.com from my article series, The World of Muppet Crap. I've also, I'm trying to arrange with a few publishers and stuff to get more books centered around animation, or I'll just review a few things relate from my own personal library. But I'm going to begin writing a article series for the rotoscopers that I'm calling Animated Words, bearing some sort of name change in the future. And it's going to be about the books that inspire animated movies. So you know how the you always hear people say, no, the, the book is always better than the movie. And very rarely do you ever hear someone say, oh, the movie's better than the book. It's actually only happened to me twice that I can think of. But what's going to happen is, is I'm going to go to the source material for animating movies based on the book. I'll point out some differences, make some witty comments, tell a few jokes, and uh, I think it'll be pretty enjoyable. So, because there are a lot more movies out there that are based off books than you think about it, uh, I'm going to probably guess nearly maybe 60 to 70% of all movies in Hollywood are based off some book or another. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's why I'm discovering a lot of animated books, especially Disney movies. You would not believe how many Disney movies are based off of books. And, well, it's an interesting story. So you're just going to have to read animated words to learn more about it. Uh, another thing is, is I am still working on the social media. I'm just, I've been stuck in World War II for a month. I'll talk more about that at the end of the podcast. But uh, let's not mince any more words and let's head it right on into the interview with Mr. Rick. First off, why don't you um, introduce yourself and tell us what makes you a great guest to appear on the Tune and Talk podcast? Okay, I'd love to. 
Well, my name is Rick Pickens, and uh, I got started in animation. Well, I started working in animation way back in 1987, um, really on the edge of the digital digital animation. Like, the company I was working for was actually one. It was the same company that um, um, Doug to Naples started with actually he, he started his animation career there and about the same time I was there but it was like around the clock they were working but they um, it, they they started this uh, process called paperless in betweening which at the time was totally uh, I guess a beginning to what is now very common in programs like flash or in the tomb boom software where you're tweening, but it was all new at the time. So it was fun to be a part of that. They did have like a, like a Saturday morning show. We did a lot of work for Disney because Disney at the time was developing their caps system, which is their, uh, you know, digital color system at the time that they were, they were Pixar developed it, but they didn't have it in place yet. So this company that I worked for actually did a lot of, uh, you know, their preliminary work there. And so a lot of our stuff ended up on the Disney channel. And so we had some Saturday morning and some cable stuff. That's when I started. And we moved, I actually moved from Southern California um, just right at the beginning of the boom, the animation boom. And the, that really began I guess really got kicked off with Roger Rabbit in 87, mm-hmm. but then the nineties were just brilliant, but we had decided we we're going to start raising a family and we moved from Southern California to Northeast Texas, which is a long way at the time from any animation industry going on. So that's what got me into other forms of, uh, the same type of creativity involved in storytelling and bringing that into even puppetry and things that I could get my hands on and get going. And then, of course, when Flash came out, that helped me um, get back into digital, which I was familiar with from working uh, at American Film. Also, like, got a lot of opportunity at the time to do training with young people, uh, working in in some schools, smaller schools there in Northeast Texas, doing traditional animation, kind of teaching them that process. And that's uh, that then led us into like our traveling years. And then now we live in the Northeast part of the U.S., Hershey, Pennsylvania. And um, that's that's what I've been working on for the last several years is just my own projects. So I've been out of the animation industry for many, many years, but have worked at keeping uh, the fire stoked as far as why I love animation and I love story and I love bringing things to life. So it's it's traveled through teaching and live storytelling for uh, events event that I've been involved in and into puppetry and then full circle getting back into digital animation and creating my own projects and also training courses. So that's a roundabout way of letting you know who Rick Pickens is and how animation has driven him down the road. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's pretty neat. Um, I grew up in the, I guess you could say, the more recent Golden Age, Disney Renaissance, Golden Age of Nickelodeon, whatever they're going to call the 90s. I mean, I'm sure that there's going to be some sort of overall name that's going to come eventually. And then the 2000s was just, uh, I guess you could say, not necessarily a barren wasteland, but it was pretty stagnant. And now we're on another blooming blooming something, whatever you want to call it. I, I think you're right. I, I don't know what it is. I know um, part of the 2000s is, and this is just me maybe 
talking about it, so you can tell me what you think. But part of it is because of Flash, it opened up the door. And I remember talking to one guy and said, oh, great. Now we're just going to have all kinds of garbage. He didn't really use the word garbage, but... (laughs) As far as animation is concerned, everyone's going to be making stuff. And and I, I totally agree that that's what happened as far as everyone, people were getting their hands into animation. But the beautiful part of it is, and, uh, and maybe that's why the 2000s seem kind of rugged as far as content, I'm not sure, is because there's an overwhelming um, input, even through YouTube, of of well, amateurs, people who love it and got their hands on it and were learning it. Um, it could be that, I don't know, but what has happened and what I think is brilliant about the whole thing is there are an abundance of options open to creators and creators of animation, an abundance of options. And the, what is so fabulous about having an abundance of options is it's okay not to be perfect. It's okay to learn your craft. There's an abundance of portals there. And and there's getting to be more every day where you can get your work in front of an audience. Now it's not necessarily an audience of millions like, you know, TV held that um, position for years and years, but It is an abundance of options and it gives creators just that chance to say, you know what, I'm going to try this and see if it works. I'm going to try this and see if it works. And when when abundance rules the day, what you get out of that is you get things that were better than you planned because those people that never would have had an opportunity, those maybe geniuses out there, creative geniuses Maybe even not so brilliant in technique, but but just genius in the way they tell a story. They get the opportunity because of that abundance to bring their ideas in front of an audience. So you get something that you might not have gotten before. And I think I think that's part of where we are now for sure. And we got there because of the valley of the 2000s. Yeah, and what's I was just thinking about this yesterday is that a lot of animation these days, I mean, well, not necessarily animation, but just multiple platforms are vying for your attention. And everything from the iPad to laptops to video games to the television itself, if you going back to the original medium, everything is trying to get your attention and a variety of new shows are coming up that you can do that. I mean, there are new streaming services coming up on Amazon and then Netflix, uh, Hulu, all those uh, paid-for subscription services that are necessarily cheaper than cable, they're getting their own original content now. So it's a time when you can do practically anything. That's, I, I agree. And and isn't that great that, I mean, you – I don't even know the, the thing about those great portals all being out there and, and more like, yeah, what everyone's becoming a network now <laughs> where networks were very like a very exclusive club. And now you've got uh, like aggregators are becoming producers, like you said, with Netflix as the example or Amazon. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's uh yeah, what we're getting out of it is great. I mean, the way people consume con- people are consuming content, that's for sure. Yeah, and they want to make their own stuff. Um, I I don't remember who it was, but there was a couple it was either last year or the year before, there was this really big animator and he decided to branch off and form his own studio. It wasn't Glenn Keane, but what he decided to do now is just start his own tutorial online to create an animation school and last I heard he was doing okay and but that's what a lot of animators are doing yeah I I don't know if it's if we're thinking about the same uh gentleman or not but is this the guy who did Rocco's Modern Life and uh um 
I can't think of the other. <laughs> but his name is Joe. I'm just not thinking of his last name right now. But he did a, a little his, and he even did a, a Kickstarter campaign to get it going. That he was going to, uh, I guess, build a network. Now that, like you said, that didn't roll. Um, but what he's doing, this particular animator, what he's doing is he is moving forward. But, but more in an independent way. In other, and what I mean by that is it's a traditional independent animation. So he's making, he's spending a lot of time building short films rather than building um, content for a wider audience, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. More, more the artistic. So he's, he did make that push, um, but, but, but he kind of pulled back, not didn't pull back from his art, but pulled back from that idea. I think a little bit of discouragement was in, just from reading his blog, a little bit of discouragement, but it, I don't know what to say. I mean, that's, um, that's, it's hard to, for one person to create a network because that's a lot of content coming out of one person but also what he would felt like he would sacrifice is he is he would sacrifice the artist part so he's definitely leaning into that well that is that is very good because i think one of the things that a lot of animators these days want to see is stuff that is different from just from what's been uh, given to us in the past, I guess you could say, I don't know, YouTube, what? YouTube's 10 years old. They've been streaming. Yeah, yeah I mean, the internet, they want to see something different from what's been going on, I'm going to say, for the past 20 years. Because if you look at it, it a lot of it has been the same. And we're seeing a lot more new stuff that's completely outrageous but it's still very good depending on the cartoon and who you're talking with. But right. a lot of it is pretty crazy. I mean, look at adventure time, oh, yeah. um, adventures of gumball, um, uh, annoying orange. And then, I mean, these are great cartoons. Don't get me wrong, but they're just so radically different. Yeah. Yeah. There's no cookie cutter there in those that you mentioned. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your own endeavors to guess, I guess, just grasp a hold of this new reality we're facing in animation. Right. Well, yeah, that's, that is a great, uh, I mean, just what you're talking about there is, is great. What is out now is it, it, it is a little bit like the nineties when you had creator driven and then something happened in the, uh, we lost it for a little bit, but it's it seems to be so back right now. I what I'm doing and what I'm pushing forward into is I I want to see more cartoons, <laughs> and uh, I I don't mind if some of them are bad. <laughs> I just want to see more of them, and I think that especially when you're talking about young people that are getting excited about it and usually because they are a fan of something that's out there. So once you get into a place where you have some really great content out there, you get a lot of people that like it, that are fans and some amongst those fans, there are some people that are going to push forward and create their own um, great content. So what I'm, what I want to do is I want to see those people um, get their opportunity and not just them, everybody who wants to put their hand at it. Um, And part of that, part of what I feel like my uh, part is in on that is just to tell people, okay, you don't have to have, um, there's not one great education to get. For you to be an animator, you don't have to wait until you can draw like Glenn Keane to be an animator. As a matter of fact, more than likely, you're most of us aren't going to draw like Glenn Keane. He is like uh, he's a master 
in the greatest sense. And we can certainly be inspired by everything he does. I, and I, I don't think that's an exaggeration. We can be inspired by everything he does, but, uh, I don't want, uh, I don't want to see individuals discouraged because they're not at that level or to not be letting the stories that are inside of them get out because they don't think that they're good enough yet. So my encouragement to um, people who are animation enthusiasts that want to actually get their hands in the process is to get your hands in the process and create something now. Okay, it might not change the world right now, but it will change your world because if you get that one item created, it makes a path for you to create another piece of animation, another story, another opportunity to get in front of an audience. So it's a process that art schools charge a lot for, and it's better to get started earlier than think that the art school is going to solve all your problems. In a lot of cases, it doesn't. Art schools really play off of a talent set or a skill set, I should say, that already exists, and they build upon that. So that's what I'm about. I'm about encouraging people to put their hands on it and go forward. And here's the thing. Part of that is, yeah, it steps them forward. And part of it is someone who just wanted to get their hands on it might say, they might realize, and many do, uh, I don't want to do this. It's too much work. I like it, but actually going through these processes, okay, I I don't want to do that. <laughs> so that's okay too. It's good to see. It's good to get that early so you know, so you can keep building on the road ahead of you. And how are you helping um, perspective animation uh animation student students do that well one thing is is i meet with them locally so as a matter of fact right before you and i started this uh interview about 30 minutes before that i just ended a session with some students that i work with locally here so i meet directly with students that are interested um in animation and want to get their hands on it and i've had some students that when they start doing it that, you know, they realize, okay, I'm more of a fan of uh, the style, but I'm, I'm not necessarily a fan of, of all the work that's involved. And it can be a lot of work. So that's one thing that I like to do, but that's limited. Uh, also, uh, through Tuntuga.com, we are creating courses. I released a, a course that I was working on, you know, actually doing some marketing, some test marketing on when you and I met at uh, New York Comic Con last October. And so we did release that. And so I've got quite a few students that are going through that animation in 12 blank lessons. Um, uh, and I've got a partner is helping me get that out uh, through cartoonsmart.com. And, and also we'll be doing, uh, I'm in the process of putting it on, on Udemy. But I also, before I get that completely on Udemy, I'm releasing uh, a smaller course, just a free course that is easy for students to get their hands on. So that's another way. Um, and really, any opportunity I get um, to connect with anybody. So I'm trying to get the word out through just, um, you know, communities and things like that and and look at people's reels and encourage them in the right direction. There's, there is art encouragement where th there's different kinds of encouragement. So one of them is an art encouragement, like a technique encouragement. And I do some of that, but more, but my encouragement is more on the story side and look, what were you trying to do with this as far as reach the audience rather than um, really focusing on technique I think there's other people out there that can focus on technique. And I also think that someone who's really interested in their technique is going to build the more work they do. So my thought is let's 
work on how you're connecting with an audience more than being pristine on your technique side. Because if you start connecting with an audience, you can connect with an audience even while your animation level is on the low end. Um, and then that can be improved. But if you are a brilliant technician in animation, but you haven't quite figured out how to connect with your audience, then your work isn't going to get seen. And that could keep, that could keep your, um, your career from going forward if that's what you're headed for. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people I think are having trouble with is exactly how do they approach doing, doing this. So what's the name of your program? It's called animation and 12 blank lessons. And it's a kind of a play off of an old book uh, that came out in the fifties or sixties, sixties, late sixties. Um, there's one of the Academy Award winning short films in 63, I think it was. I think the Academy Award winning short animation in 1963 was something called, <laughs> I can't remember the name of it now, um, The Critic. And it was actually voiced by Mel, Mel Brooks. And the animation, which was just kind of, I guess, interesting, we'll just say, was done by uh, this guy who wrote this book, Animation in 12 Blank Lessons. And he was actually a cameraman. So when you read the, and it was a, it was built to be like a course. It wasn't called Animation in 12 Blank Lessons. His book was called Animation in 12 Hard Lessons. (laughs) My bad. So that, so it's a play off of that book. It was, his was meant to be like a, what do you call it? A male, like a, can't remember what they were called then, but like a, where you did the course through mail, and uh, and I don't I don't know. It's the books around. It's 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 a great book. You can see um, captures of it on uh, the website. Here I'll look it up here in a minute, and I'll tell you. But uh, so that's that's where the name came from. Is from this book. What I liked about the book wasn't that it was a brilliant on the art side, but because this was a cameraman, he had the kind of this system idea and technical concept of going through the whole process. And that's what I want. I want to give a pipeline to students to say, hey, here's the steps to go through it. So you insert your story in your technical level, wherever you are on the front end, and you go through these 12 uh, steps of this process. And then on the other side, you'll have finished content that you can get out in front of an audience. Yeah, one of those old correspondence. Like, That's it. That's it. Correspondence. <laughs> I've talked to a lot of people who have, in the comic books industry mostly, who have followed that How to Be a Cartoonist in 12 Easy Steps correspondence course. And a lot of them have had, well, some of them actually had success with that program. Um, That's fabulous. Yeah, but this is like back in the day when yeah. you could actually do something like that. But by mail but nowadays it's a you have to do it digitally online and you have to make sure that um you're getting a decent program oh yeah and what makes yours different from um another program that you might come across online Hmm. i think the biggest difference um is the fact that it is the the entire pipeline that's what I think is the difference, at least from what I've seen and what I've looked into. The, the concept is like this pipeline that gets you all the way through something that is ready to upload. But it's a system that you can plug any story idea into and in whatever technical level you are at. That's that's my opinion on why I think it's different. Um, I love the tutorials that are out there, and I love the things that dig into specifics. And I truly enjoy watching some great animators show me what they can do. And there's a lot of that, and a lot of it uh, is on YouTube, uh, and it's fabulous. Some of some of some guys are just really brilliant, and and they dig deep into one area, and. Uh, I do like that. So mine is different that it's not a deep dive into technique, 
but it is a um, a look at the system, a system to get you through all the way through. A lot of the people that I talked about said, man, I don't have any problem coming up with ideas. Uh, I've got a box full of unfinished ideas. Well, the unfinished part is is the problem. <laughs> so um, that's the way I attacked it. And that's how I think mine is different. Okay. Um, do you focus on primarily uh, 3D animation or do you have a combination with the old school traditional animation and, you know, 3D? No, I don't even attempt 3D actually. Um, I, I guess I built this for, for people that um, like the concept of a traditional animation real animation enthusiasts that, you you know, maybe have a, a a far look back where they're seeing the guys bent over the desk, drawing, drawing after drawing, after drawing, not that that's what this course is, but it does stay in the 2d and you do have to bring at least a desire to create something with pen pencil, paper, or more appropriately, stylus on uh, either a tablet or screen, if that's what you, you have to work with. So it is it is definitely 2D. What I love about 3D is that you can be a brilliant animator without even knowing how to draw. I'm not saying that it's not important to uh, I'm just saying you can. It's a reality. And uh, there's some guys out there doing some really cool stuff in the world of 3D. And really, if there is a huge animation industry available for people to actually have uh, going careers, albeit a lot of travel and moving around, but still you can have a career, it's in 3D even more than 2D. I think the 2D careers are certainly more, is in the U.S. anyway, and in, in even not North America totally, but for sure in the U.S., the the careers for 2D are are limited to the maybe the top level of people creating the ideas, which is another reason I think this is a good course, is because it's not a deep dive into technique. It's it's into carrying through your idea. And um, if you've got a story creator and that's their main strength and they can use my my course to carry through their idea, the idea is, okay, now that the flight wheel is spinning, let's do it again and again and again. They that will help them develop their craft. Yeah, you're actually (laughs) the first person I've met, I've ever talked to who's offering a, at least in my recollection, who was offering a 2D traditional animation course online because everything these days is 3D digital. And I, I got to say, you're in a ballpark of your own. <laughs> well, that I, I'm used to being on my own. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's really good because if you're the only one there, then you're going to have a monopoly on the market if I'm looking at my um, – digital e-commerce class correctly. And then you're going to have a really strong niche because I've talked to animators and I know that there are fans out there who are still love the traditional animation. Me, I love the traditional animation. Um, It's still my favorite type. And the thing is, is I know that there are so many people who want to do it, but they're just afraid that they're not going to be able to find a job or they're not going to be able to get the correct courses that they want. So the fact that you're still offering, hey, kudos to you. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it, the, the career part is it, it's we're in a we're in an interesting place because you've got more and more opportunity. I mean, there's content being produced and it's not just by individuals uploading to YouTube, although that's a real thing that's happening. But you, there are producers all over the world producing animated content. So it, it, and 2D, not just 3D, but 2D. And now in the U.S., 3D is huge because just about every movie you watch has some CG in it. So that means in most cases there's 
an animator someplace around there or a whole team of them more than likely that are making parts of that process happen. So that's, that's great. But yeah, for 2D, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, there, the industry exists, it's out there, but my thought is like, you know, I'm, I'm enamored by, uh, traditional animation. I totally, um, but I'm not enamored with the idea of being a cog in the machine. <laughs> I, I'm, I like more the idea of Walt Disney as this brilliant fellow that uh, took, made amazing stories and did it in animation. And, you know, I'm just using that as an example because uh, although he started, he, he wasn't on the drawing board most of the time while he was doing this. If you know what I'm saying, it's oh like, yeah, so, no, he was not. Right. <laughs> he farmed, farmed it out. He was, he was, he was more of a story guy and the yeah. business guy. So, and that's the thing about it. It's like I, I, I do love traditional animation, but I don't like the idea of um, just working on somebody else's plan. Now, I would, you know, working on someone else, some. There's some people out there that I would jump at the chance to work on their plan with them. But I think that because the opportunity is available, I would like to see more uh, creators developing their own ideas rather than working toward being the part, a, a small part of something huge. I, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying because of the opportunity, why not push into that? Why not you be the one that builds somebody's uh, childhood dreams? Do you know what I'm saying? In other words, this is what I mean. It's like, how many great memories do you have of the stories that came out of Disney or the stories that that uh, Don Bluth created or 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 even some of the wild side guys like Bill Plimpton, you know, the there's things that come out of there that like touch you and you take with you and, and, um, make you like change the way you feel about stuff. It's like great memories that you care. So there's an opportunity for creators out there. Now there's more opportunities for them to do that same thing. And that's, that's what I'm seeing now. I know that's getting off of what you're talking about with traditional animation a little bit, but I really think that inspiring people is the reason that animation uh, had any of the booms it had, whether it was the the original golden age. The reason anybody even cared is because not because the the technique was so great, although it was, but it was because they were inspired by the content. And the same thing happened again, you know, in the nineties and late eighties and then to the nineties, it was like this inspired these stories that inspired us yeah, they were animated and the technique was great, but, and we love looking at the artwork and we love the concept of, of bringing something to life, but it really was the inspirational story that was behind it. And that's what I'm really mining for in any students that, uh, connect with me is to get that out of them. What is in you that will inspire someone else? Wow. So it looks like you're doing a mentor program slash just everything. It, well, it sounds like an all around. <laughs> to the degree that I can, to the degree that I have opportunity. <laughs> what type of background do you suggest that someone has, bef- um, has before they come to you with, your, with oh. their... <laughs> like one of my students even now is like, he doesn't, he liked animation, likes animation, but had more, he kind of came out of the Lego um, animation world. So like doing things with, with stop motion. And so I am kind of bringing him along the way also into this uh, 2D and, and digital format. So part of that is like 
there's not as much drawing involved. There's very little for him. So uh, there's no, for me, there's no drawing skill prerequisite. My thought is like people who are, um, they're really moved by a, a, a 2D animation. Usually they like to draw in most cases. So just that desire to draw is part of the motivation, a desire to put something on paper or digitally put it down that you can bring to life is part of their motivation. And that's really a good place to start. Um, a lot of people start that just being a big fan. You know, I really like this, um, you know, like you had mentioned Adventure Time or for, for a lot of years and maybe still now there's a lot of big fans of anime and uh, you look at sketchbooks and you can see what a person is the fan of based on what they are making an effort to draw. Something has inspired them. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, one of so. my favorite games is I like see- – yeah. well, it's funny. Is, um, I like looking at um, younger people's art books and even um, older comic book fans is I can go to a – I can look at their art. I can look at their sketchbooks and I say, you like this, this, and this, and this. And they're like, how do you know? <laughs> I have scared so many <laughs> young fans. They're like, are you psychic? And I know. I go, no. I can just tell based off how you draw. <laughs> That's right. You can tell, and which is beautiful. I mean, that just means you've got someone there who really uh, has an ability to uh, loves something so so overwhelmingly that it just drives a part of their life. So that's pretty cool. That's a good place to start right there. You know, mm-hmm. you can you can build on that. <laughs> Me? No. Well, anybody can. Oh, I was about to say. <laughs> I mean, you if you, if you if you have so much passion about something that it drives a style in your life, then. Yeah, that that's that's powerful. Yeah, I'm I'm oh gosh, when it comes to animation, I am not a drawer. I'm more the Walt Disney or kind of John Lasseter. I'm the person who writes the stuff and give it to someone else. But I have a long way to go in learning, so I'm just starting with graphic novels and I'm gonna see where oh, that takes me. Very nice. Oh, that's fabulous. I, I yeah, that that's great. I I love graphic novels. There's a guy here that I'm uh, associated with. He's a little bit older than me, but he's writing. Okay, so he's writing. I I don't know if you call it a novel or not. I uh, but but he's doing that. I would love to see him put that in a graphic format. To me, it's just so much more alive. So. Yeah, and I'm exploring the old, the new ways as well because I think that's the only way to go. The only way you're going to get work these days is you have to put yourself out there and you have to show what you can do first before they take a chance on you. I think it's yeah, that's a, that's the thing. It's like it's uh, we have the opportunity to build things and get them in front of people, and uh, that's a lot of people. Um, directly to your audience. And that that is something that is missing from the old ways. It was a, a gatekeeper-driven um, way of doing things. But still, for the strong careers, a lot, I mean, as far as most are concerned, but you still have the opportunity to do something really amazing like the guys with South Park did by getting your stuff directly in front of audiences. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I remember hearing how um, South Park, it was one of the first uh, viral videos and look where they are now. (laughs) I know. It's like crazy. I know. And I think that's what a lot of people want to do is I think a lot of them think that a lot of I think a lot of people online think I'm that's. think, 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 think. Talk about redundancy. And I call myself (laughs) a writer. Um, I I. I think a lot of online fans and participants and animators believe that the path to internet stardom is easy, but <laughs> it's not. No, no, no. But still, you gotta you gotta get in it if you're gonna if you're gonna be a part of it. If you you can't s- sit back and 
watch. You got to get in it. But right, it, it's a big deal. I'm sure it is. There's there's parts that are unseen, but still, the doorway is close to everybody. Yeah, and that's what you're offering with your course is a chance to just get at that doorway and learn a bit about how yep. to break in. Yep, get through it, get started. Don't wait for the perfect opportunity. Start now, get your stuff out there, and then just make it your what you keep doing, maybe even a lifetime. Now, after they finish your course, do you offer any tips or suggestions on how to um, market themselves? Well, this particular course is all about the pipeline. So it's all about the production side because that's what I was seeing was, you know, people weren't even getting to the marketing. That's definitely a an initial question, but you've got to get your content created before you can really market it. So this course is about that. I don't have anything right now um, in, as far as training on the marketing side. Uh, this a free course that I'm releasing on the 19th through Udemy will have a little bit of that, but it's more about um, promoting using um, some short animation that you create to promote uh, work that you're doing. So some marketing in that, and that's coming out June 19th. It's a freebie on Udemy. Neat. And um, that is really that they're going to offer that because I know that that is another online marketing is to offer something for free. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all like free gifts, and especially uh, if it's something that has true value to us. You know, if it doesn't if it doesn't have value to us or if we think it's a scam, then we think, well, that's not really free and I don't want it. But there are people doing some – I don't – here's the thing. I What I like about going to someone and, and them having a free offer, it gives me a taste of you know, what their premium work is all about. So I, I don't want someone to just give away everything they have for free because I want, especially someone who's a great creator who is inspiring me, I want them to be sustainable. I want them to keep inspiring me and keep creating. But yeah, I do like when um, uh, creators and especially technical geniuses give away some of their stuff for free and kind of hold back the curtain and let me take a peek at their process because it's like uh, it just makes me happy and it's like oh that's how they get that done but yeah I, I I like free but I like it in its place I I don't think creators should give all of their work away free because that's you know the reality is um, somebody's making money out there. And even on YouTube, you know, YouTube has this big um, marketplace that they're making a lot of money on advertising. I, I think that content creators need to figure out a way to also monetize their content. But yeah, free stuff is is part of the pathway, certainly, because it gives people a taste. But we don't want to let the cable companies be making all the money off of people who are creating their content and giving it away. We want content creators to also find ways to, to make some of that. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been working on your course? 12 easy steps. 12 blank steps. 12 blank steps. <laughs> <laughs> They're not necessarily easy. <laughs> My mistake. 12 blank steps to becoming a professional animator. And sometimes the blank might be a colorful metaphor that someone might throw in. But the reality is it's it's a pathway. And once you get it, it gets moving. But I started actually in um, – started working on it in March of 2013. I had uh, just finished some training with Toon Boom in Canada uh, and uh, working with a bunch of their guys and getting certification – uh, with the software at the time. And when I 
when I came back home, I just started going crazy, realizing the opportunity uh, for, uh, you know, creative people, storytellers, animation enthusiasts to get their work out there. So, so that's when I started building it. And then my first opportunity to really start getting it in front of people was in um, early 2014. I started working with uh, students face-to-face that I, I would invite that I knew were interested in animation and either were planning on going to art school. And so I started uh, developing the process beyond just myself um, in a classroom situation to make sure that they could get their work done if it was actually effective and in, in them getting bringing their idea and getting a finished piece of content and then um, went further out started going to conventions and talking to um, artists and finding that there were a lot of people that were just were actually even at New York Comic Con I was finding a really young artist even coming by with their parents that were about to, that wanted to, um, hit, you know, art school and learn animation in, um, a formal learning environment with an art school or an animation school. And what these people were bringing to me was that their, their students were required to put together a reel. And the ones that were talking to me were basically saying, well, I want to learn animation. I don't know it now. I don't even know how to make a reel. So that was another part that we kind of built into animation in 12 blank lessons was this concept of, yeah, you can get this, you know, uh, two to three minutes of animation done in this amount of hours using this system, which, you know, about three minutes of animation would be what you would want on a reel that was being submitted in a situation like that. So that was another thing that kind of came out of it that was unexpected. I wasn't expecting that, but it was an overwhelming response to that. And um, then I just got into the production side. Once I had done the research, we got into the production side. And then just in April, um, I released that, uh, putting it up on my own. Then, like I said, recently partnered with cartoonsmart.com and then we are, I'm putting it on Udemy but I'm releasing before I release it on Udemy I'm doing this uh, other course that is smaller and just to see what kind of response I'll get on Udemy and see who I can what creators I can bring out on Udemy that want to go forward so that's it's been about a 2 year process I guess well, I think you're off to a really, really good start. You're off better than a lot of other people because I know who have tried making some classes and then they kind of just threw you. You already have a plan in place and you already have the experience behind you and you know the industry. So you're slowly getting yourself getting yourself to be the 2D niche site, the 2D niche site course for the internet over at Udemy and 12 blank steps and so explicit ex- expletive there. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. It. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> and Hey, that expletive could be, this is the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> Freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, if you love it, you know, that probably is ultimately what, even if you stub your toe along the way, you're, I mean, that's, I mean, you love it. You love the process. You love the idea. And it makes you feel good once you get the work done. All right. Well, Rick, keeping that in mind, this last question I'm going to ask you is supposed to make all my interviewees feel good at the end of the interview because okay. it, it's supposed to make you laugh. And, everyone. <laughs> and I've asked everyone from, um, oh, geez, uh, William Joyce to who was the last guy I talked to? Um, Craig Carlson over at Chuck Jones. So 
your question is, do you, Mr. Rick Pickens, have anything to declare? To declare? To declare. <laughs> I declare the same thing that Tex Avery declared. Let's make some funny cartoons. All right. That works for me. <laughs> Welcome to the bottom of the Tune In Talk podcast, and once more, I express my undying gratitude to Mr. Rick Pickens for coming on the show. We laughed, we cried, we made plans for world domination. No, not really, just plans for animation industry domination, which we will be slowly implementing bit by bit. <laughs> if you are interested in learning more about Rick's new program, Animation and 12 Blank Lessons, I will be putting links to that in the show notes. And if you are interested in contacting Rick in general, I will also be putting those in the show notes. Rick's personal website is www.tuntaga.com, which is www.tontoga.com. His course, Animation in 12 Blank Lessons, will be available on Udemy on June 30th, which is we're past that date. And is currently and it is currently available on cartoonsmart.com. If you are interested in sampling Rick's program, but without making the financial investment, you can actually get a small taste of his course that will is also available on Udemy. And I will also be putting those in the show notes. So before we head further into the bottom of the show. We got something really cool. We got a bump. Excelsior in Paris Rex. Live long and prosper. Up, up, and away. Now that's my personal favorite. Fanboy Nation is go. Welcome to Fanboy Nation magazine, the home of all things fanboy and fangirl. Not just the same stuff you can get anywhere else. Only at Fanboy Nation will we go beyond the generic questions of so what's your favorite pencil? What kind of strings do you use? And how did it feel when you put on X costume? We give you insight into the lives of the artists, producers, the movers, the shakers, the indies, up-and-comers, the bigwigs, and most importantly, the little guys. If you haven't gotten yourself over to fanboynation.com, you need to do it today. Thank you, Chad, for that wonderful description of Fanboy Nation and what Fanboy Nation can do for your reading pleasures. Speaking of reading pleasures, if you don't know me already, you know I read a lot of books. And I'm currently writing one about Lotta Reiniger, who created the first animated movie ever called The Adventure des Prince and Achmed, or in English, The Adventures of Prince Achmed. The problem I have been finding when I'm writing this book is I don't necessarily have time to sit down and read a whole novel anymore. So one of the things I love to do is I love to go to audible.com and download an audible book because I get the pleasures of reading without as much of a time commitment. Audible has the largest, and I'm not joking, the largest audiobook library in the internet, if not the whole entire universe. We're speculating that there's no extraterrestrial life out there at the moment. And Tune and Talk has a gift for you. If you click on the link in the show notes, you can go to Audible and receive a free audiobook of your choice, and you'll learn a bit more about signing up. If you are like me, you also are aware that I am spending a lot of time writing and researching, and I have a lot, a lot of notes to keep track of. And one of the tools I've come across that is extremely helpful to people who are writing their first book is Scrivener. Scrivener is this great software that is made by writers for writers. It keeps your thoughts organized, and it is made to help you pump out that first draft. So I will also include links to Scrivener for Mac and Windows users in the show notes, and, you know, just give those things a try. 
I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I was stuck in the throes of World War II, and the reason is, is for my book, I am at the portion of Lotta Reiniger's life that the Nazis started taking over Germany. And it's just utterly depressing and utterly astounding at the same time just how much the Nazis infiltrated daily life. And the J Joseph Goebbels, the propaganda minister, that guy was so, so evil. And just the regulations they imposed on culture and movies and just all aspects of daily life, I can't hardly see that happening today, but yet it does. And when I think back on something like that happening in Western civilization, not too long ago in the grand scheme of things, it just makes me think. And one of the things I think about is how World War II personally affected my family. I am an American of European descent, predominantly from Germany, and most of my family was in America at that time, but we still had a lot of relatives in Germany. And so I've gotten firsthand accounts of how World War II affected people, not only on the Allied side, but on the Axis power side. And it's just so, so startling to hear how this war has impacted my relate, how in turn that has actually shaped my own life. And it's extremely easy to gaze back on the past from the comfort of your relative safety in the present time and just be like, oh man, that was really bad, and then move on with life. But I can say that by researching Lotta Reiniger and her husband Karl Koch's experiences in Nazi Germany just makes me all the more grateful for living in the time where I am now, where I have the relative freedom to pursue, well, basically writing this book, making this podcast, and talking to the interviewees on this show. Because back then, everything was restricted from the type of music you put in a short to the type of animation you used to just, I mean, as you know, the people who were even making it. I mean, Lotta Reiniger and her husband, Carl Koch, were friends with Generates. Uh, and they were short of being blacklisted themselves, but, uh, well, anyway, I'll tell you more about that in my book, which you're going to have to read yourself when it comes out in the relative future. So without further ado, I think that brings us to an end of a another episode of the Tune and Talk podcast. Adamwa because I am going to go join the French resistance and fight the evil Nazis in the grand city of Paris. Vive la France! In my imagination, I'm actually just going to go read a book about it. Yeah, reading a book's good. I'll see you in episode 14, everyone, and thank you once more for listening.